I, I do also want to, uh, to express great thankfulness uh, for, your, uh, for your prayers, uh, both before we left, while we were gone, uh, your, your earnest prayers uh, that the Lord would use us according to his purpose, um, your, uh, your care for our families is, is very dear and makes a hard thing to do as far as leaving for so long. Uh, it makes that, uh, that task, that prospect, um, much easier. And, uh, and it's, um, uh, again, my, my deep thanks uh, for, uh, for each one of you uh, in that way. To, to pray and to know um, that uh, that my family uh, Chrissy and the kids and and Vivian uh, that anything that they needed while we were gone um, uh, they were just a a call away from from so many of you that's a, that's a great blessing um, and I'm very thankful for it uh, thankful that the Lord uh, has has worked through you in in great ways uh, to make possible what we did. Um, and as Ernest and Bega reminded us while we were there, uh, we have no idea what the Lord is going to do uh, with the small amount of time that we were there. The, the pastors that we encouraged... The pastors that we sharpened, uh, the congregations that they have and that they are going to have, that the Lord is going to grow, um, I, the way that the Lord works is, is marvelous. Um, remember what Paul says in Second Corinthians, what, what an amazing thing that this good news, this gospel of salvation is entrusted to clay pots that we feel are so fragile and know are so fragile, but the Lord uses um, and strengthens according to his, his ability. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 in your text. What a great blessing we do have. We say it all the time. And it can never grow old. What a great blessing it is to have God's Word in our hands right now that each of us can open and read and read together. We will read in a moment from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Since the beginning of time, the Word of God has accomplished the purposes of God for his creation. The word of God in Swahili, Neno Lamunga, Lamungu, Neno Lamungu. The word of God is living. It is active. God spoke and creation was made. God decreed and his plan was accomplished. God communicated to his prophets and his way of salvation was revealed. The Father sent his Son. 
and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. Without God's Word, there is no salvation. Without God's Word, there is no good news. There is no providence. Without God's Word, there is nothing. The Word of God is supremely powerful. It cannot be thwarted. It cannot be changed. The Word of God, because it comes from God, is omniscient. It is all wise. It is holy. The Word of God is exalted and high above our limited minds. His knowledge, indeed, is too wonderful for us to attain. Psalm 139, 6, and Job 42, 3. But God has spoken to us. He has communicated with His people in a way that we can comprehend. The one who is high and exalted and beyond our minds to grasp has condescended to teach us, to communicate with us in a way we can understand. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. He has revealed His purposes for us to know. They are not secret. Deuteronomy 29, 29. And an aspect of our image bearing is our ability to communicate through words and through speech. How God uses His speech and what He accomplishes with it is the story of His revealed Word from Genesis through Revelation. But how we use our speech should reflect our reverence for and our trust in His speech, in His Word, in His promises. The Word of God is holy and wise. It is our guide and our steady anchor amidst the ebb and flow of doubt and confusion within the fallen human experience in a world that's full of voices, of opinions, advice, mandates. We must be intent as God's people to listen to His Word. We must receive it with great reverence and attention. This must be a discipline that we cultivate Wherever and whenever the Lord has placed us in space and time, the people of God must be listeners. Solomon recognized this early in the days of the temple in Jerusalem, and he gave us wise advice for every time and place. Ralph and I were blessed to be gathered with brothers and sisters in Tanzania who were eager to listen and who received God's word with great joy. And so I pray that we might have the same joy, the same eagerness, the same discipline. And may God bless our time and our thoughts as we open his word this morning. May our thoughts reflect his thoughts and so be pleasing to him. Please stand with me and open your scriptures. We'll read Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3 together. Guard your steps 
when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. Thank you. You may be seated. Ecclesiastes is a collection of wisdom from Solomon, the preacher we learn in verse 1. The preacher, the son of David in Jerusalem, this preacher was very wise, for God had helped him to see that there is much vanity, much emptiness in the world. Many things that we spend our time that we use our energy to attain, but in the end, do not matter. Along the way, however, Solomon did notice that there are some things that matter, and in fact matter a great deal. One of those important matters is how we gather for worship. And this is Solomon's wisdom for us here. Guard your steps, he says, when you go to the house of God. Be careful and be thoughtful about how you approach the place where God dwells. Nahab and Abihu in Numbers learned, in Leviticus learned, uh, the hard way, (laughs) were an example uh, of, of not approaching in a way that they were circumspect. They did not guard their steps, and they paid the price. Be careful when you approach the place where God dwells. Of course, in the Old Covenant, during Solomon's reign, this was symbolized first in the tabernacle, and then as Solomon constructed and finished the temple, symbolized in that temple. It was a picture of how God in his holiness, could live among unholy people. God was separated from the people, and he required the shedding of blood, the forfeiture of life, to forgive the sins of his people and to show them favor. But even then, even when, uh, when those sacrifices were made and accepted, the Lord still was separated from his people. The veil in his throne separated him. But now, the true temple has come. The way that God truly dwells with his people is not in a temple, in a place, but is in Jesus Christ, in the man, Jesus Christ. It is his blood that brings us to God, not the blood of bulls and goats. And there is now no separation between God and his people. Now that Christ's work has been finished, the veil has been removed and God now dwells among and within his people. 
The church is the place where the Spirit of God dwells. The church is the temple. The church is the house of God. And so, when the church gathers, Solomon would tell us, he does tell us, we must guard our steps. We must carefully consider how we meet together. And Solomon continues, it is better to draw near, to gather together, to listen, than to come and merely do the motions of worship. If the worshipers were offering sacrifices and simply being present, but were not listening and obeying God's word, they were being fools. They were deceiving themselves. Remember that this is a frequent warning from the prophets. When the people offered sacrifices with closed ears and hard hearts, the Lord hated those sacrifices. They were an offense to him. Their worship was hollow because there was no true love for God or for others because they did not listen to him. Solomon also points out that those sacrifices were given by fools because in their refusal to listen, they didn't even realize that they were doing evil. They thought that their worship was good because they weren't listening to God's word. They had no objective truth, no objective assessment. They only had their own self-conceived and self-deceived opinions about what they were doing for God instead of listening to Him. They came into God's presence to do and to speak, not to stop and to listen. How do you gather for worship? Are you listening to God's Word? So Solomon gives us wise advice. Do not be rash with your mouth. Don't be quick to give your opinion. Don't be quick to offer your thoughts. Don't give your best guess. Don't assume that you know how to please the Lord. Draw near to listen to God's word. Be hungry to know what God says so that you may know how to live and how to please him. Not how you think you should live. Not how you think God might be pleased. But how you know to live. Because you're listening to what he's told you. But it's not just our mouths that Solomon warns us about. The very next thing he says, Do not let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. Be careful about your heart, your thoughts, your ideas, those things that that other people cannot see, that they cannot hear, but the Lord can. Jesus, later in the Sermon on the Mount, is going to echo what Solomon is saying here. You might be keeping the law on the outside, but inside your heart is full of murder and adultery. Solomon says, be careful about how you speak to God. Do not let your heart be hasty. Do not be quick to give God your thoughts, your opinions, 
your ideas, your complaints, even your requests. Draw near to listen to God's word. Be hungry to know what God says so that you will know what to think, how to think, and indeed even what to ask. And be humble before God. Remember that God is in heaven and you are on earth. He is all-knowing. He is all-wise. He has given us his word from his mind to our ears and our eyes. God is in heaven. We are on earth. He is above us. But he has spoken. So listen. Listen and trust. Draw near to listen to God's word. Be humble before the Lord. And so let your words be few. There is profound wisdom from Solomon here. For indeed, too often we are quick to speak. We are quick to fill the silence. We are quick to give our advice, our thoughts, when our first impulse should not be to speak, but to listen. We should listen twice as much as we should speak. We have two ears and one mouth, as the saying goes. Draw near to listen to God's word. Be eager to hear from God, not to chatter at him. And remember, Solomon warns, a dream comes with much busyness. Dreams that are not originated in God's word. They do not proceed under God's clear instruction from his word can steal a great amount of time and energy, time and energy that should be spent listening, knowing, communicating God's word. Don't be distracted, Solomon says, by dreams and by wishes. Draw near to listen to God's word. Because when there are many words, they are probably coming from the mouths of fools. A fool's voice comes with many words, Solomon warns. Don't be distracted by someone who gives many words when those words are not coming from the Bible. If those words are not springing from the pages of God's word, they are the words of a fool. Draw near to listen to God's word. For the word of God is holy and wise And we must receive it with great reverence and careful attention. But let's not forget how eternally thankful we should be that we are even able to draw near, to listen to God's word. Remember that God is in heaven and that we are on earth. We cannot find our way to him. We cannot build a tower high enough To reach him, we cannot build a ship great enough to travel to him. He will always and evermore be above us. He must provide the way to himself, and he has. He has provided Jesus Christ, who is the way, the only way, the one way, the mediator, the only mediator between God and man. He is the only access that we have to God, and he has come to us 
and he has brought us to God. We can draw near through Jesus Christ. We can call upon God as our father because of his work to be our substitute, to pay our debt for our sin and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. In Christ, church, we can draw near. We can listen. And so, brothers and sisters, let your words be few, but let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16 Our teaching and our instruction must come from these pages. It must be filled with these truths and be given with the aims found in these words. If the word of Christ is to dwell in us richly so that our counsel and our correction and our encouragement is saturated with his wisdom, if it is to dwell in us richly, we must know it. We must read it. We must meditate upon it, memorize it, study it. We must have shepherd teachers who grow in it and who lead us, who guide us with it. We must allow them time to devote themselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. The church recognized this very early, Acts 6.4. The life and the health of the church flows from her ability to let the word of Christ dwell in her richly. May the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And may this be reflected in our singing and in our prayers, just as Paul wrote, loving to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs from hearts that are dwelling richly in Christ's word, hearts that always have a profound sense of thankfulness for the unmerited blessing of God's grace to us through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, draw near to listen to God's word. Let your words be few. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Lord is great. He is greatly to be praised. And may your praise come from lips that are dwelling in Christ's word because they are connected to ears that yearn to draw near, to listen, to listen and to obey God's word. Let's take a moment to consider our response to God's word, our approach to God's word. Consider how grateful we should be to have it. To have access at any and every moment of the day. How marvelous that we can comprehend it. That we can understand it. That we can recite it and memorize it. Meditate upon it. 
And indeed, how truly miraculous that our God has opened our ears to hear it. And what marvelous, great grace that in Christ we can draw near to listen. Our Father, please cultivate within us the joyous discipline of drawing near to listen to your holy and powerful word. Truly it is our light in the darkness. And may it be luminous. May it be reflected also to the world around us. May Christ the Son be glorified in us through the work of your Spirit according to your purposes, Father. We pray. Amen.